Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today's program includes opening up the radio vault to hear a legacy program from former host Dr. David Weber, debuting a brand new segment with scientist and author Dr. Carl Baugh, and a Messianic Minute with author and teacher Larry Stamm. All this month, our special thank you gift is our die-cut etched Christmas tree ornament. The ornament features our classic logo of the Watchman on the Wall blowing the shofar. Our motto, God is still on the throne and prayer changes things, is engraved across the top of the ornament. Every ornament is a true piece of heritage and craftsmanship, which you'll enjoy this Christmas and for years to come. Get your Watchman on the Wall Christmas ornament for a gift of $100 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order online, swrc.com. Dr. David Weber was the host and president of Southwest Radio Ministries for over 35 years. He authored dozens of books on Bible prophecy and traveled the country teaching and sharing the gospel. All this in addition to hosting this program and leading the expansion of this ministry from a regional outreach to one that covers the entire globe, proclaiming that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Today we open the radio vault to listen to Dr. David Weber as he teaches on the 70 weeks of Daniel. If you have your Bibles, turn to chapter 9 in the wonderful book of Daniel, the Apocalypse of the Old Testament. Chapter 9 of the book of Daniel stands as a paragon of Bible prophecy. This single chapter of 27 verses proves beyond doubt God revealed the future course of world events to faithful men of God and they wrote about events to come as they were led by the Holy Spirit. This was so declared by the Apostle in 2 Peter 1, verses 19 and 21. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto we do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that the prophecy of the Scripture is not of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Dr. H.A. Ironside called the ninth chapter of Daniel the greatest of all time prophecies. Sir Edward Denny called it the backbone of prophecy. The prophecy recorded in this chapter proves that Jesus Christ is the Messiah of Israel. Chapter 8 tells us about a little horn, the Antichrist, who will rise up in the last days to challenge the Christ of God. The little horn will magnify himself, command millions to be killed for failing to worship him as God. He will rule over a ten-nation kingdom and gain control of the whole earth for a brief period of time. The prophecy about the little horn began in chapter 7, where his kingdom is described and its chronological appearance is given. Chapter 8 describes his evil nature and great power. Chapter 9 tells about his deceitful dealings with the nation of Israel. 
Chapter 9 also tells us about the great horn, the Lord Jesus Christ. This great horn will be from the horn of David, speaking after the flesh. And so described in Psalm 132, verses 17 and 18. There will I make the horn of David to bud. I have ordained a lamp for mine anointed. His enemies will I clothe with shame, for upon himself shall his crown flourish. Praise God. We also read about the great horn in Luke 1, verses 68 to 70. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets. The towering prophecy of the 70 weeks of Daniel chapter 9 tells how the horn of David, the Messiah of Israel, would be cut off from his people until the abomination of the little horn had run its course. The reason the ninth chapter of Daniel is the proof text of Bible prophecy is that it tells the exact date for the restoration of Jerusalem after the Babylonian captivity and how long it would take. This prophecy also foretells the exact date Jesus Christ would appear in Jerusalem to present himself as the Messiah, the anointed of God. It informs us of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the destruction of Jerusalem, and the seven years preceding his revelation or his second coming. All these things were written over 500 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. Critics of this prophecy have attempted to explain it away by contending that Daniel was written by several men and at a later date. But it would be just as remarkable if it were written even 100 years B.C. And the Jewish historian Josephus recorded that when Alexander the Great came to Jerusalem in 330 B.C., he informed the high priest that he had read the prophecy of Daniel. Praise God, how he confirms his holy word. So in spite of the devil's attempt to destroy and to weaken the prophecy of Daniel, it still stands as a cornerstone of Bible prophecy, proof that God knows all things from the beginning to the end. If you have your Bibles, we begin our study in chapter 9 by reading verses 1 and 2. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Now, the setting in time for chapter 9, as explained by Daniel, was in the first year of the reign of Darius over the province of Babylon. At this time, Babylon had fallen to the Medes and Persians. Darius is given as the son of Ahasuerus the Mede. Ahasuerus the Mede is not to be confused with Ahasuerus the Persian, referred to in Ezra chapter 4 verse 5, or the Persian Ahasuerus who was king during the time of Queen Esther. Ahasuerus was a common name among the Medes and Persians, and there were several rulers with the same name. Later on, in order to eliminate historical confusion, 
Kings with the same name were assigned numbers, like King Edward V, King Henry IV, and so forth. After the defeat of Babylon and the institution of a new government, Daniel began to contemplate the effect this turn of events would have on the status of the Jews in the foreign country. The prophet began studying the books of Jeremiah. These books were not bound like our books today. They were scrolls or parchments, and altogether they composed the book of Jeremiah as it is in our Bible today. Daniel was next to Darius in authority, and he had access to all governmental records, including those of Israel that had been brought to Babylon. Daniel probably read first from Jeremiah 25, verse 11. Let me read it. And the whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. Searching further concerning what would happen to the Jews after the seventy years had expired, he read from Jeremiah chapter 29. For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. As Daniel read from the books of Jeremiah, he understood that his fellow prophet only wrote, as he said he did, by the word of the Lord. All scriptures given by inspiration of God, 2 Timothy 3.16. Now Daniel was not so vain as to believe that he had cornered the market on prophetic revelations. He accepted the prophecies of Jeremiah as also coming from the Lord, and according to the prophecies of Jeremiah, the time for God to look again upon his people, hear their cries, and deliver them from bondage had arrived. This promise of God is given in Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now reading Daniel 9, verses 3 and 4. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenants and mercy to them that love him, and to them that keep his commandments. When Daniel understood by the word of the Lord by Jeremiah that God would again look upon his people from whom he had turned away his face, after seventy years their bondage would come to an end. So Daniel began to fast in sackcloth and ashes, an outward manifestation of extreme self-abasement. After Daniel had emptied himself of all self-glory and self-righteousness, he sought the face of the Lord God by prayer. From the record, we know that he ran after the Lord in prayer. He pursued the Lord to get his attention. And this is one of the most beautiful prayers of supplication to be found in the Bible. At the beginning of his prayer, Daniel made his own confession asking God to forgive him of his own sins. Although there is not a single sin or fault recorded against Daniel in all the Bible, the prophet was careful to avoid the error of self-righteousness. 
he claimed only that righteousness of God which is imputed by faith. Next, Daniel claimed the promises of God to forgive those who confessed him, turned from their wicked ways, and sought his face. After Daniel had pursued the Lord in prayer until he was assured of an audience, he submitted his petition. In his prayer we find the true basis for all Christian patriotism. Next reading Daniel 9, verses 5 to 14. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants of prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as at this day. To the men of Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that are near, and that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them, because of their trespasses, that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against thee. To the Lord our God, Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his law, which he said before us by his servants of prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him, and he hath confirmed his words which he spake against us, and against our judges that judge us, by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. And, of course, Daniel was talking about Deuteronomy chapters 28, 29, and 30. Daniel's prayer is in three main divisions. The first part we've just quoted concerns the reason for Israel's troubles. God already knew all about it, but Daniel revealed to the Lord that he himself knew why his nation had been conquered by a foreign aggressor. Hundreds of thousands of Jews had been killed. The young men had been made eunuchs. The women raped and the cities plundered. Daniel said, God, I know why it has happened. Let us now consider these reasons for Israel's judgments that Daniel gave. Number one, as a nation Israel sinned and committed iniquity, adultery, fornication, sexual perversion, and idolatry. Number two, Israel mocked and killed the prophets who attempted to warn them to turn from their sins. Number three, Israel rebelled against God, departed from the precepts of God upon which the nation was founded, 
and said, We will not be judged by God, meaning they would not abide by God's ordinances for human government. Number four, because of the people's transgression, they had become confused as to their national mission. Nationally, they did not know why they existed or where they were going. Likewise, the king, the governors, and the mayors became confused because the people were confused. They didn't know what the people wanted. It was war one day and peace the next. When Babylon invaded Israel, the king would agree to a peace treaty one day, and then the next day he would break it. Number six, according to verse 12, the greatest evil perpetrated upon the nation was by the judges from the high court right on down to the lower courts. They no longer judged according to God's moral law, but rather according to political expediency and their own greed. The lawbreakers were not prosecuted, and the victims were ignored. You may well see a parallel between the courts of Israel and our courts today. Number seven. Because the nation failed to heed the warning of the prophets to repent, God brought judgment upon all Israel, and Daniel declared that the nation deserved no less than it received. The second part of Daniel's prayer for his nation is found in a single verse, Daniel 9, verse 15. And now, O Lord our God, that thou hast brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and hast gotten thee renown, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. Throughout Scripture, Israel is reminded of their deliverance by God out of the hands of their oppressors in Egypt. They are continually reminded of this because God had a plan and purpose for saving them from bondage. For this reason, he saved them with mighty signs and wonders and miracles so that their children and their children's children would never forget to uphold the mission for which God saved them. God delivered Israel to form a holy and righteous nation so that they might testify of him to all the world and be a blessing to all people. The third part of the prophet's prayer is recorded in Daniel chapter 9, verses 16 to 19. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from the city of Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O oh my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplication before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, hearken and do. Defer not. For thine own sake, O oh my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. If the people of America would honestly present such a supplication, 
God could rain down righteousness upon our nation and we could be revived in the midst of our years. Over and over in the petition division of his prayer, Daniel ran after the Lord. He prayed, O Lord, I beseech thee, O our God, hear. O my God, incline thine ear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken. Some might wonder why this old Jew was so bothered and so urgent in his prayer. Daniel must have been in his middle 80s. He was prime minister to King Darius. He had a fine place with servants. He had honor and the best physical comforts the kingdom could provide. Why didn't he just relax and enjoy retirement? The reason is he loved his nation and he loved his people. God give us a Daniel for the day in which we live. And like all Jews in general, he had an inherent, restless awareness of God's plan and purpose for them. The sense of destiny is stated in Isaiah 43 and verse 5. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. As we near the end of the age, this call of God has brought over three million Jews back to the land of Israel today, and the stirring in the land is evident, even in Russia and around the world. In Jerusalem today, before the Wailing Wall, Jews gather to pray the prayer of Daniel. You will see them rocking back and forth before the Wailing Wall, trying to get God's attention. Even the agnostic and atheistic Jews confess that they feel there is a reason for them being back in the land. The dormant restlessness from the time of Abraham is once again directing the steps of Israel back to Zion. And that's what Zion means, going back to the land. The prophecy of Daniel's 70 weeks provides the account of time on God's calendar when he will fulfill his plan and purpose for Israel. How glorious are the ways of God. His ways are higher than our ways. God bless you, each and every one. Wonderful teaching from former host and ministry president, Dr. David Weber. You can get David Weber's complete teaching on the 70 weeks of Daniel on CD by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order this teaching online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. A great book that goes with David Weber's teaching on the 70 weeks of Daniel is the Daniel the Prophet book by Noah Hutchings. Daniel the Prophet is a comprehensive examination of the prophecies found in the book of Daniel. Get the book Daniel the Prophet and David Weber's complete teaching on the 70 weeks of Daniel for a gift of $30 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order these resources online at swrc.com. 
That's swrc.com. And remember, all orders over $100 will receive free shipping. All of us here at Watchmen on the Wall want to thank you for the tremendous response and support that you're giving all of our new resources. New books and DVDs are being released every month, and you are ordering them for you, your family, and your friends. One of those new resources is Larry Stamm's book, Jewish Roots of Christianity. This book is helping so many people understand Jewish history of redemption from Genesis to Revelation. In addition to this new resource, Larry Stamm presents the segment Messianic Minute. It's a quick 60-second feature designed to make the gospel of Jesus a confident topic of conversation for every Christian. Shalom, friends. Larry Stamm here with the Messianic Minute, Biblical Connections Through a Jewish Lens. First fruits, the Jewish feast held in the spring at the beginning of the grain harvest, was a time of thanksgiving for God's provision. God instituted the first fruits offering in Leviticus 23, 10, and 11. When you come into the land which I give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. In the New Testament, when the first fruits offering is mentioned, it is symbolic. For example, in James 1.18, believers are called a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. The firstfruits offering finds its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Praise God because he lives, we who know Christ will also live. For more connections, visit our website at LarryStam.org or see our Larry Stam Ministries Facebook page. Get Larry Stam's new book, Jewish Roots of Christianity, by calling 1-800-652-1144 or order the book online, swrc.com. Another short feature that we are proud to debut today is Creation Minute with archaeologist and creation scientist Dr. Carl Baugh. Carl Baugh is the founder and director of the Creation Evidence Museum in Glen Rose, Texas. Dr. Baugh lectures internationally on evidence for scientific creation. He is the author of the book Panorama of Creation, which is available right now in our resource center at swrc.com. Let's listen to Dr. Carl Baugh in today's Creation Minute. Let's talk for a minute. At the Creation Evidence Museum, we're in possession of a fossilized finger a human finger. This finger was found in the Cretaceous layers that are assigned an evolutionary age of 110 million years. Now that's a major problem because according to evolutionary theory, man with the appendages we know and can examine has not been around but a few tens or maybe just a few hundred thousand years at the most by evolutionary thinking. But this finger has the distal, medial, and proximal joints. It has the cartilaginous ligaments. It is the fourth finger on the left hand of a girl, a human finger. But that's no surprise to those who believe the Bible. For man and dinosaur live contemporaneously, and the history of the earth shows it to be true. Short features like Creation Minute with Dr. Carl Baugh and Larry Stamm's Messianic Minute are quick ways to be encouraged and learn more about God and his world. Tomorrow, a very special Veterans Day program with Blackhawk Down hero, Jeff Strucker. 
Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.